we got to stand for something. What are we standing for? And I was really struck last Sunday. I had my daughter with me, my daughter and my wife, Emily, and we were all doing it together. And I, we finished, and I was processing it with the Lord. And the Lord took me to the fact that my daughter was there, and he said, this moment is not just for you. It's legacy. It's legacy. This moment in history, your daughter will always have this moment in history where she, at four and a half years old, was part of standing for something that really mattered, which is that we will not stand to see 63 million babies aborted. We will see something change. Even with Roe gone, we still have to stand up because the states have the decision. Oh, I'm getting real. All right. Let's dive in. If you have your Bible, I want you to turn to Luke 24. We're going to do this, and we're just kind of going to land the plane here. But listen, the vision here for what we're doing for the next two weeks is we're coming to the table, and the table is representative of three things that I want to kind of hit on this morning. And the first is belonging, the second is encounter, and the third is discipleship. So the table is a place for belonging, encounter, and discipleship. Okay, and I want you to take a moment, and I'm going to read Luke 24. So if you're there, verse 13. This is the road to Emmaus. It says, And behold, on that very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, which was 60 stadia from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things which had taken place. Verse 15. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What are these words that you are exchanging with one another as you are walking? And they came to a stop, looking sad. One of them, named Cleopas, answered and said to him, Are you possibly the only one? Keep in mind, they're talking to Jesus. Are you possibly the only one living near Jerusalem who does not know about the things that happened here in these days? Verse 19, and he said to them, what sort of things? And they said to him, those about Jesus the Nazarene who proved to be a prophet, mighty in deed and word, in the sight of God and all the people. Verse 20, and how the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and crucified him. 21, but we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, it is now the third day. Someone needs to highlight that. That's important. It is now the third day since these things happened. But also some woman among us left us bewildered when they were at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body. They came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. And so some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it exactly as the woman had said, but they did not see. And then he said to them, you foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to come into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them the things written about himself in all the scriptures. Verse 28, and they approached the village where they were going, and he gave the impression that he was going further. And so they strongly urged him, saying, stay with us, for it is getting toward evening, and the day is now nearly over. 
So he went in to stay with them, and it came about when he had reclined at the table with them that he took the bread and blessed it, and he broke it and began giving it to them. And then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. They said to one another, were not our hearts burning within us when he was speaking to us on the road while he was explaining the scriptures to us? And they got up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together and those who were with him, saying, The Lord has really risen and has appeared to Simon. They began to relate their experiences on the road and how he was recognized by them at the breaking of the bread. What stands out to you about that passage? Seriously, raise your hand if you got something. What stands out? What stands out, Donna? The road had distracted to them. Sophie, do you have something? What do you have? You have a stuffed animal? I love your stuffed animal. I love that. That's awesome. Shannon? They didn't recognize Jesus until they were out the table. Yeah, back here. The breaking, the breaking of bread. Yeah. Anybody else? The, the world was distracting them. Okay. That's good. That's good. That's good. Everybody that said something is right. Right on. And there's a lot of things that you can mine out here, okay? A few things that stand out to me is that this was on the third day. What happened on the third day? Interactive. Raise your hand. Jesus rose from the dead. Awesome. All right, so this is the same day that he rose, and he's walking with these disciples. That's significant. It just happened. And he's walking with them. What's the other thing that really stood out? Jesus was explaining the scriptures about himself. Why is that important? Jesus doesn't just rely on you to explain the scriptures to yourself. He actually desires to reveal the scriptures about himself to you through the Holy Spirit. You're not reading your Bible hoping, okay, maybe I'll understand. No, Jesus is desiring to sit at the table with you and actually reveal the scriptures about himself. Oh, that's powerful. You can picture this moment. Like they're, they're just kind of talking and, and he's explaining and they have no idea. Afterwards, I'm sure they were like, oh my goodness, Cleopas, like what in the world were we thinking? We feel like, we feel like we're dumb, you know? Like, here we are walking on the road with Jesus, and we're like, are you the only one that doesn't know what happened? And he's like, I'm the one who died on the cross. I'm the one who rose again, and I'm the one who's walking with you. Let me explain it to you about myself. That's amazing. And also sort of like, would I be one of the guys on the road that didn't recognize him? Right? Like, would we recognize him? And then afterwards, they're like, Oh, of course, right? Our hearts were burning while he was explaining the scriptures to us. Another thing that Shannon mentioned was that it wasn't until they were together at the table that their eyes were opened. Why is that significant? And I think Donna's right on the right, on the right page here. I think when you're walking on the road, sometimes things get distracting, yeah? 
Like, I'd imagine maybe this, maybe there were other people on the road. Maybe they were walking, and, you know, when you're walking with someone, it's not, it's, you know, there might be a lot of other things going on. You're, you're concerned. You're thinking, man, I'm really sad that my Jesus that I just followed, he, he, he died. And, and like, you're, you're stuck in that, right? But then they sit at the table, and what happens? He breaks the bread, and boom, Hold on a second. We're sitting at the table with the resurrected Jesus. I even picture this moment. I even picture this moment where they're sitting and maybe on the road things were so distracting. And then they sit down and all of a sudden they see the nail-pierced hands. They see the scars eyes are opened and it wasn't until they removed the distraction and they got intimate and they got close and they broke bread what happens when you're at the table with someone and you've got a meal on the table right you got food on the table that's an intimate setting right you're coming to the table and the table is a place where we can, it doesn't matter what our life looks like, what we've been going through, how chaotic things are. When you sit at the table and there's food, everybody's like, amen, let's eat. It's a place where everybody is welcome at the table. So they come to the table, and I can picture this. It's like he's breaking the bread, and, and all of a sudden it's like they see him for who he really is, and then they realize the whole time they've been having an encounter with the resurrected Jesus. Isn't that amazing? I love that. I think the emphasis here is Jesus' desire is not just to teach, but to reveal himself intimately, not just in large corporate places, but in the personal, while we eat, while we sit with each other. How many of you, and I want you to raise your hand. Again, this is interactive, okay? We're sitting at a table, so this is like a family dinner conversation. How many of you would say that you have had a significant encounter with the Lord at a table? Just raise your hand. All right, look around the room. Isn't that cool? Significant encounters around the table. How many of you have had a very significant encounter and an incredible, like, life-changing conversation with a family member or friend around the table. All right. Isn't that significant? Why? I think the closeness of the table begins to break things open where things that maybe were chaotic and maybe we were distracted and we were walking on the road and we were like, you know, doing this, when we sit at a table with him, there's an intimate place that invites conversation that begins to reveal Jesus. And I think this is important for us. Where else do we find Jesus reclining at the table? Does anyone have a guess? The Last Supper, okay. What else? Everywhere, Wesley says. That's not specific enough. Alabaster, yes. Okay. Anybody else? Where else do we find Jesus reclining? Okay, I'm going to ask another question. Who 
do we see Jesus reclining at the table with? Disciples, John? Sinners, yes. Who else? What else? Zacchaeus, Lazarus, religious people. Come on. Anybody else? Can I add a few? Outcasts. Tax collectors and sinners. People who needed healing. People who couldn't afford a seat. And how about this? The one who would betray him. Man, I don't have time. But listen, how many of us would honestly say that we would be willing to sit at a table knowing that that person sitting across from you is going to stab you in the back? I wouldn't be. Let's be honest. Can we be real in this moment? I'm a pastor of a church, and I don't know if I'd want to do that. Jesus sat with Judas, and in John 13, what happened before he sat with him at the table? He washed his feet. Can you imagine? He's just about to be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver with this man who's literally going off to tell them, and he takes time to wash Judas's feet, sit at an intimate table with him, knowing he would betray him. Why? Because Jesus wanted to give every opportunity for Judas to see who he was. Are we giving every opportunity for people that come to our table, regardless of if they look like us, act like us, think like us, or even believe like us, to come to the table, regardless of if they've betrayed us, Regardless of of what they have done, what if you sit at a table with them and all of a sudden, like the road to Emmaus, they see the scars of Jesus, not because Jesus is there physically, but because Jesus is within you through the Holy Spirit, and whoosh, there he is. Oh, I just felt the wind of the Spirit. What does this mean? It means this, it doesn't matter what you have done. It doesn't matter what you might currently be doing that you need freedom from. It doesn't matter what people have wrongly done to you. It doesn't matter what physical or emotional things you have overcome or need to overcome. It doesn't matter what your financial situation looks like. It doesn't matter if you are currently so against Jesus that you would identify with a heart that is set against him like Judas. It doesn't matter if you are living for yourself, and it doesn't matter if you are an outcast that everyone else says to stay away from. Jesus made space, time, and he invested himself, especially in those people. And you know what's amazing about that is some of us were like, oh, okay, great, that's not me. Right? But we've all been there. It's actually all of us. It's every single one of us in this room. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Before I met Jesus, I didn't have anything worthy to offer him. By his grace, I'm saved. And it's by his grace that I approach the table, regardless of what my current situation looks like. I can sit with people that love Jesus. And I can see him. And I can sit with Jesus. And he says, you're welcome at the table. Come to my table.
He isn't worried about your past. He's not worried about your present. He's not even worried about the future. What does he say? Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. Jesus is not going, man, I'm so concerned about what Convergence Church is going to do on Monday morning. Jesus right now is saying, I am so concerned with what is going to happen right now at 1156 at Convergence Church. What, what does this mean? Every single one of us is worth a seat at the table. What does this also mean for us as believers? Can, can I stretch us a bit? It means that every single person off the street in Fort Worth, Texas, not going to a church, struggling in unrighteousness, trying to find freedom, they are worth a seat at my table. Because they're worth a seat at his table. And as believers, I've said this a whole lot, and I'm going to say it again. What matters to Jesus needs to matter to us. And if I look throughout scripture, I find that the people that I would least want to go hang out with are the people that Jesus is like, come to my table. And let me tell you, we talk a lot about harvest in the church. And I love it. I'm like, yes, harvest. This is harvest. Harvest isn't always church meetings. It's not always stadium gatherings. It's not always giant things. I love the giant things. I'm in it. I'm there. I'm going to pray. I'm going to go after it. Where do I think revival happens more than giant things? I think it happens at the table. I think it happens while you eat lunch at Chipotle. And all of a sudden somebody comes up. And you have the opportunity to share Jesus with them. Revival is wherever you are. Are, don't wait for a stadium gathering. Don't wait for this huge thing to sweep over the news. Be revival now. Be it at the table. Thank you, Lord. This is what belonging looks like. G oh, listen to this. Jesus is the one who dictates belonging, not you. You may think someone doesn't belong, but Jesus is like, ah, got some news for you, bro. That person belongs just as much as you that, that's been going to church for 33 years of your life. That person belongs at, at the table just as much of you. So belonging, when, when we say encounter, I picture the road to Emmaus where they encountered him. When we say belonging, I picture Jesus inviting all of these people that I would never invite to the table. Because belonging isn't like a belonging to please people. It's a belonging because Jesus says, come. That's belonging. All right. I got like two minutes to wrap this up, okay? We may go a little bit over. Is that okay? Is everybody all right? Okay. All right, hey, turn in your Bible to Psalm 23. Psalm 23, verse 5. Some of you already know where I'm going. Wesley already broke the ice on this earlier. Psalm 23, verse 5. What I want you to do is I want you just to take a moment at your tables, and I want you to just read Psalm 23, verse 5. Why don't you read it out loud? 
let's break it open. Read it out loud. Somebody at your table, read, read out loud Psalm 23, verse 5. Oh, I love this. This is so fun. <laughs> if you're watching online, just read Psalm 23, verse 5 with us. All right, are we done? Are we good? All right, now, raise your hand if you have something. Again, this is, this is just, we are very interactive this morning. Listen, this is a family. This is not just about me up here preaching. We're, we're a family, okay? What is one thing that stands out to you in this passage? Raise your hand. Alyssa? The oil of joy, okay? In the presence of your enemies. Love that. Who else? Right here? Come on. Even in the midst of your enemies, your cup still overflows. All right, who else? Dwight? Jesus prepares a table. That's great. Who else? Sierra? Over here? Who, who else? Josh Thomas? There's a lot of people. He is our delicious feast. Come on. Josh? doesn't make sense logically, but he commands us to do it. Donna? Holy Spirit is anointing me with oil. Yeah, Thad? Yeah. Yeah. Wow, Jesus lived this out when the woman poured the alabaster oil on. That's so good. All right. Isn't that fun? I love this. Oh, one more. There it is. Ooh, that'll preach. Lee Matthewson. The feast is prepared in plain sight of the enemy. Yeah, Walt. No fear. Come on. So listen, he prepares the table not just in good times, but in the midst of your enemies. What does that look like, right? Enemies, of course, not just being things that we're seeing in the natural, right? Come on, Ephesians 6.12, right? What does it say? Who's got it? There it is. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers. Okay, so we're not just battling flesh and blood this morning. Do we know that? We are in a spiritual war. We are battling the kingdom of darkness, and we're kicking it in the teeth with the kingdom of light. So when we're up here talking, when we're going joy, 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 and we're up here going, I have, and we're talking about a garland instead of ashes, what are we doing? We're not just like, okay, I got joy, joy, yeah, hopefully. The Holy Spirit is releasing joy that in the natural looks like us jumping around and singing it out, but in the spiritual realm, what's happening? Demons are going, oh, shoot, that church on 5745. Oh, Convergence Church is so full of joy that they're just like, joy! And all of a sudden, all depression leaves. 
Paige had a word about depression leaving earlier. So if you're in the room and you've been struggling with that, the joy of the Lord is breaking you free. Not because we had a good song this morning. Because we entered in with the song of heaven, what the Holy Spirit is releasing in the supernatural, and demons are like, I can't handle any of that joy. I'm out. Boom. Holy Spirit is breaking the yokes. Right? So what's happening? We're in an, engaged in a, in a battle, in a war. So here, David is writing this, and I love this. He's saying, God doesn't just leave you to fend for yourself. Oh, go enjoy your enemies. Hope you win. Oh, but some of us are walking into a battle like that. We're walking in and we're like, man, I just don't know. I hope, I hope that I have enough of the word memorized. I hope that I have enough Holy Spirit to just kind of, just kind of squeak by in this battle that I'm currently fighting. And David is saying, no, 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 you don't understand. You're missing it, bro. There's a table with a feast that he has prepared that you can go sit at in the presence of your enemies. Why can you sit at a table? Because Jesus is, it's not always about all the, you know, the declarations. I'm all about rebuking things and declaring things, okay? Understand me? But I think the Lord is wanting us to picture this differently than that. I think the Lord is saying, what if you're fighting from rest? Oh. Mm. What if you're fighting from abiding? What if you're, <laughs> that's a bumper sticker, I love that. Someone do that, someone do that. What if we're fighting from a place of sitting at a table, feasting with the Lord, and that right there is actually the most offensive thing to the enemy than all the sword fighting we could do, all the shwoo, you know, that, that we could do. All that's great. All that's great. But it's about, what if it's about sitting at the table? I know I'm getting real charismatic this morning. It's fun. What if that actually, what if that is your greatest weapon that you possess? Everything is chaotic around you. Finances are chaotic around you. Everything's going, everything's like, culture's like, oh, look at this, look at that. Be concerned about this. Be fearful about this. And you can come and you can say, I'm going to sit at the table in the presence of my enemies and feast on the Lord. Because when I do that, whew, the enemy has no chance. Because I'm not worried about the enemy. I'm seated. Oh, wow. Getting good. This is getting good. By the way, do, did you earn the seat at the table? Oh, what does that mean? It's a gift. What does that mean? Help me out. You can't lose it. There's no striving. You don't work for it. That seat right there at the table where the Lord is while your enemies, you know what the enemy likes to tell you? Oh, man, you just didn't do enough today to sit there. You're, you're just, oh man, what you did yesterday, what you did in the past, it's just, it's just not good enough. You got to go back, figure it out, earn more, and then you can sit there. And Jesus is like, I don't care what you did yesterday. I don't care what you did today. I don't care what, what you're going to do tomorrow. My love for you, 
is my grace for you. You're righteous. You're a son. You're a daughter. And sons and daughters don't earn or fight for seats at the table. They have a seat at the table. So they realize that and they fight from my seat at the table. And I'm not trying to figure out how to earn it. I'm like, I'm going to rest, abide, sit. And the enemy is the most offended at that than he is making a big deal about what he's doing. We got to make it less about him and more about God. Oh, man. Jesus. I don't know if it's the tables or what. What does it say is at that table? Oil. Why is oil important? Yeah, it's the oil of the Holy Spirit. It's the oil of intimacy. It's, what did we sing about today? It's the oil of gladness instead of a spirit of heaviness. My translation says a spirit of fainting. Oil. He prepares a table in the presence of my enemies. He anoints my head with oil. And when he anoints, oh, I'm going to get there. When he anoints my head and I walk in with a cup, does my cup have to be full? My cup can be empty because in my weakness, he is strong. And so I come into the table, and some of you, we've experienced this, right? I've sat down at a Thanksgiving table before, and I've been like, man, I don't got it today. It's been a hard day. It's been a hard year. It's been a hard this, and it's hard that. And I'm feeling like my cup is empty. And you know what's great about that is the Lord says, listen, 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 just sit down. Just sit at my table. Let me anoint your head with oil so much so that it fills your cup, not just to the brim. What does it say? Overflowing. I don't have to do that. He does it. So the point is, sometimes we talk a lot in church, and and I'm all about it. We're like, come in full. Come in full. And I love that because it's like, yeah, we should be spending time with the Lord throughout the week so we come in full. But can we be honest with ourselves and say sometimes we come in real empty? And the Lord's like, yes, yes, he poured out everything. Yes, 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 he's not not so full that he can't receive more. He's actually empty, And his weakness is about to reveal overflowing oil as it comes into the cup. You come to the table to grow in maturity and revelation of him in the midst of what could be chaos all around you. That's discipleship. Definition of discipleship that I've been using is this it's growing in maturity and revelation of Jesus. So we come and we're discipled because we're sitting at his table. And then we grow in maturity and revelation of him. And our enemies are like, oh shoot, those those guys are all just sitting at the Lord's table. How can we get to them when they're seated in their identity? How does the Lord, how does the enemy typically always get you when he has turned your identity into a place where you don't believe who you are anymore? And so you actually come and you don't sit yourself at his table. You sit yourself at your own table 
in your own thinking, in your own understanding, in your own ways, in what you feel is your unrighteousness and your inability to do anything, and you choose your own table instead of his, and then the enemy comes and he says, yes, I got him isolated. I got him isolated. And the Lord's like, no, 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 listen. Come and sit in your identity as a son and a daughter and make the declaration when you sit at his table, he pours righteousness in because it's who you are. So when you're struggling to figure out how to be righteous, you instead need to see yourself and sit at his table instead of doing your own thing. And I guarantee you, you will find freedom from the thing that you have been grappling against when you do that. All right, I got to land the plane. You, in the midst of our enemies, he has a table. So the vision this morning that I'm trying to get across here is that the table is a place for belonging, encounter, and discipleship. It is a place where we encounter him. We encounter his nail-pierced hands. We encounter his righteousness. We encounter his grace. We encounter his mercy. We encounter his kindness. We encounter his love. We encounter his power. We encounter his forgiveness. And then his heart for us tells us, you belong here. That's the belonging. And then what happens when I've encountered him and then I sit at a table that I belong at, I grow in maturity and revelation of him, which is discipleship. And I think this is for, this is for our house, okay? This is corporately. I think when we come in, every joint supplies. So corporately, you all, as we all walk into this room, we corporately gather around the table. But then also you individually, personally, you're preparing a table. And here's what's awesome, and I've preached on this before, so I don't have time to go do this, but go, go listen to the podcast if you want. When we talked about a priestly people, why is that important to this? Why is that important? Anybody? It's okay. I'll give the answer. It's important because when you prepare a table, he's at that table. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is here. So how do I find the Lord's table? I'm not like, oh, okay, wait. Let, let. I just go and I sit at a table and I say, Jesus, I thank you that I'm sitting at your table. I thank you that through the Holy Spirit, I always have 24-7 connection to Jesus. Ha, ha, ha. I thank you that this is who I am. And all of a sudden, you are seeing yourself as seated at his table. And what this means for evangelism is that instead of necessarily being the one on the street corner that's screaming, and uh, listen, there's some good that comes from that, I believe. It's actually more important to bear his name and prepare a table and then say, come, all ye who are weary and find rest at my table. Come. Oh, you, you need deliverance? Come sit here, because I guarantee you that demon is not going to want to sit here. Oh, you need healing? Fantastic. Come sit right here. Let's pray for you. Because I guarantee you that sickness can't sit in this chair where the Lord is at his table. 
Oh, you need freedom from something? Come, sit right here. And we prepare a table. And he is there because he is here and he's with us. And so we prepare this table. We invite people to it and we encounter the Lord. We say, you belong in this community. We love you. We're thankful for you. Jesus loves you. Jesus wants to see you prosper. Jesus wants to see you walk in freedom. And then all of a sudden the discipleship piece begins to happen as well because they see him through you. Identity. All right, I'm going to land the plane. Let's stand. I'm going to pray. As a church, as a church community, listen, we, we say this often, but I just want you to hear it from me again. We, we, we don't believe that Convergence Church and Christianity and local church is meant to be a spectator sport. Okay, you're all engaged in the war with us. You're all walking this road with us because we are all ministers. This is something that we believe really heavily at Convergence. Every single one of us is a minister. And so what we're doing as we launch into this season at the table is we're coming to the table together as a body, both on Sundays but also throughout the week. And we're coming and we say, Jesus, the table, this is your table. We're seated at your table. And this is a place where we know that there's belonging, encounter, and discipleship is at the table. Can we enter into this as a house? Like as a family, I feel we're calling ourselves into this. Church is not meant to be just Sundays. I love Sundays. Sunday is not going to, it's not going to be enough. We gather all throughout the week. We gather in house to house, and we come together, and we pull people in, and we say, you're part of the family. Come be part of the family. All right. If you have communion, can you grab it? This is how we're going to end. We're going to end quickly in communion. I was talking with our staff on Tuesday. We were having such a fun time kind of getting into a little bit of the ins and outs of the return of Jesus. And even scripturally, a lot of things that come with that. And after the whole thing was over and we were kind of like, Wesley asked me, he was like, okay, so what's the point? Like, what's the, what's the thing that we need to take from this? And where we landed was 1 Corinthians 11, verse 26, which says this, to proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. What's my role? It's not just to sit and say, all right, I'm just going to wait for Jesus to return. No, your role is to release the gospel, to proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So that's what we're going to do right now. We're going to proclaim his death. So, Lord, we thank you for your body. And we thank you that we as a house, as a church, we get to come to the table this morning. And I thank you that we don't have to come to the table and we have to figure out, do we belong at the table? But because of your body and because of your blood, we belong at the table. Thank you for purchasing a seat at the table for us. Hebrews says that it was for the joy set before him that he endured the cross. Thank you that you saw joy in me so much so that you were willing to endure the 39 lashes 
You were willing to endure the crown of thorns. You were willing to endure having nails pierce your hands. You were willing to endure emotional abuse, physical abuse. You were willing to endure pain that we could never even imagine because you said, ah, I'm so excited with joy that I get to do this for them so that they can walk in complete wholeness because of my body and that they can be cleansed and washed because of my blood. So Lord, this morning we lift up this bread to you. We just say, just really quick, just say thank you. Just give him thanks. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the seat at the table. Thank you. And he broke the bread. And and when he had given thanks, he he broke the bread. And let's just go ahead and take and partake of that. First Corinthians 11. If someone knows it, shout it out. What is this the cup of? Yes, yes, but what is it? He said it's the cup of the new covenant. It's the cup of the new covenant. What's significant about that? It's that we don't have to, it's not about the old, it's about the fact that it's new. It's the new covenant. It's his identity. It's who he is in his blood. So, Lord, we thank you this morning. We partake of your blood this morning. And I ask even that as we do this, that even though, even though we're drinking this juice, Lord, this morning, that there's a representation happening of you washing and cleansing us in the blood of Jesus. And that your blood wasn't just speaking back then, but it speaks a better word now. And so this morning, on January 29th, I can come and I can, I can partake of this and I can actually see this as his blood is declaring something over my life right now. Wow. So Jesus, we thank you. We thank you. Just take one minute before we take this and I just want you to close your eyes and I want you to look at him. What does look at him mean? It means even though you may not necessarily see a picture of him, it means that you're turning your attention. It's your attention. It's your focus. I'm turning my attention and my focus on you, Lord. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your blood. to see a situation or something in your life that you need his blood to wash right now. All right, let's go ahead and partake. Can we just give him thanks real quick? Lord, we thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for my seat at the table. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. All right, well, hey, if you need ministry, 
you need prayer, you can come to the front. We, if, we can have, if I can have our ministry teams and our microchurch, soon-to-be table group pastors, come up to the front, and we're going to, if you need prayer, just ask one of these to pray for you. If you're a guest and you're like, man, that, I want to know more about this house and convergence, just walk right over across the way we have a meal for you. We'd, we'd love to speak more about you, uh, about what the Lord's doing here. So discover over there. All right, we love you. Thanks for coming to the table with us.